Hey, CBD is a topic that's popped up a lot recently. Do, do you know a lot about it? I, I got to admit, I, I don't. To know more about it, you need the latest information about CBD and, and really how it'll affect your patients during treatment. The problem is there's so much information out there and so little time, which made me feel confused and a little overwhelmed. Finding the right information, as we know, can be daunting, which is why our friends at your CBD store have done the work for you. Here's what you should do. Go to cbdrx4u.com, check out their educational links, their information, and then be able to speak confidently and clearly about the effects of CBD that your patients might be experiencing when you're working with them. So go to cbdrx4u.com and you can stop feeling overwhelmed if your patients are using CBD in their daily lives and start feeling confident that you've got the latest accurate information about CBD. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. Colleagues, cheers. Welcome to PT Pinecast. We're excited. It's happy hour. Somewhere, hopefully in my living room. And look at that. That's where we are. What's up? I'm uh, Jimmy McKay. I'm your host for PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories here in the world of physical therapy. We've got a great show for you tonight. I'm very excited about this. Putting a little different spin on the ball. Uh, sort of a panel, but like nothing you've kind of experienced before. And it started with a tweet. Doesn't it always? Well, usually it's like some Twitter flame war or something. This did not devolve. This evolved. We got smarter when we were done with this uh, Twitter conversation. Um, I guess I, really we wanted to talk about like how do you respond to the idea of death, right? It's a part of life. All of them. Um, but how do you respond appropriately? And when, when you're confronted with it, how do you respond? I think most people, myself included, you sort of like kind of get smaller, quieter. Maybe you feel uncomfortable about talking about it, but what do we know about not talking about something? Well, it gives it power. We don't want to do that. So if you're working with a patient, what do you do if they ever said, I'm, I'm ready to die? Well, that's exactly what happened. So let's bring our first of very few guests tonight. Uh, let's bring her to the studio, a PT student, Shelby Miller. Shelby, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Shelby, uh, let's get you a quick backstory. First of all, first questions are always the hardest. What are we drinking tonight? You're a PT student. You have to have something. Uh, unfortunately, I'm just drinking water tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Your professors are watching this. Mm -hmm, I get that's it. Right. You're going to play it cool. I got it. Great. Uh, I'm going with a Mick Ultra because it's mostly water. I'm hydrating while I'm dehydrating. Uh, so I uh, wanted to say uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Owens Recovery Science, Johnny Owens and the team. Uh, a a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. BFR, as the cool kids are calling it these days. Um, kind of a thing. I get lots of people asking me about BFR. Do you guys co cover that in PT school just yet? Uh, we've talked about it, but we haven't really covered it yet. It's come up. And where are you a PT student? Where, where do you go to school? So I go to Clarkson University up in northern New York in Potsdam, New York. Just call it Southern Canada, and we'll just southern call it. That's right. It is. <laughs> All right. So what year are you, Shelby? I'm a second year. Second year. Wow. Right in the middle. So mm -hmm. you like, you got it. You're in the, you're on the hump, I guess. It's like hump year. Cause you're there. You survived the first, you're up the hill. And now you feel like Sisyphus. Yep. And you get to roll down the back of the hill. That's yep. Cool. We're at the hardest semester and it's just going to go downhill from there. 
There you go. That's the way to look at it. All right, Shelby. So wh- wh- where did this conversation start? I mentioned it started on Twitter. So let's throw the, uh, I'll throw the graphic up. And this is what I came across. And I'm, I'm like, I think a lot of people uh, on Twitter where typically I'll just kind of be cruising around on the phone and I'll spot something. And then I'll either like get super excited about it, like super pro or I'll be like super anti. And then I do what a lot of people do. I just dive into the comments and watch what everybody else is saying. And then I'm like, mm, I shut my phone and I slam it down. Your tweet did not do either of those things. Yours caught my attention. And I'll throw it on the screen right now. This was your tweet from uh, a couple weeks ago. And for the podcast audience, I won't leave you out. It says, how do you respond to a patient who tells you they're ready to die? You went on to say you encountered this situation today and you were at a loss for words. Shelby, I would have been a loss for words too. Uh, any wisdom, P.S., you were in acute care. Now, was this a rotation? Was this like an integrated rotation or was this a full-time rotation? What is it? This was my first full-time rotation towards the end of my acute care rotation back in um, October. So this is like beyond entry-level stuff that you were dealing with. Yes. <laughs> at your first rotation. Right, yeah. So, so, you know, keeping the patient uh, information, right? So we're talking generically here because it's a learning experience. But, you know, what can you tell us about the situation? How this, how this come up? Walk us through this. So I was just working with a patient one day um, at bedside. He was uh, just doing some um, exercises in bed. Um, and he turned to me and he said, I'm just ready to die. And I didn't really know what to say. I kind of stood there and I was like, okay. But luckily, luckily he kept going and he kept talking about things so that I didn't really have anything to respond to because I didn't think I had anything of worthy or value to con- to say to this man. And I'm standing there just like, I have no idea. And that just stuck with me all day long. So I came home that day and I was hanging out with my mom and we were just, I, I told her about it. And then I was like, you know what? I just joined Twitter's PT fam. I just made my own professional account. Um, so let me see what, if anybody has anything to say, if they do. Um, I wasn't expecting anything. I wasn't expecting anyone to even see it, but I immediately started getting um, comments and retweets and all these things. And I was like, wow, this is the place to be. So yeah, I got a lot of good feedback from that and, and it sparked this um, conversation today. So well, I think I you, touched upon, you touched upon a topic. So first off, I wanted to get this out of the way so I didn't forget, because this is really what I thought. Wow. Student being super brave and like taking a situation that a lot of us, again, in the top of the show I mentioned, myself included, might be like, wow, I'm just going to file this away. I'm going to pretend like what do we do, right? Pretend we don't, we don't look at it. We don't pretend, we pretend it doesn't happen. And you went 180 degrees and I know you already have, but you're going to learn more. And the audience, other people watching, not and, and not just listening to this podcast, but people kind of doing what I normally do on Twitter, which is kind of doing that, that, that scroll by and now learning from everybody else who chimed in with really, really great advice. But before we move on, before we bring some guests on, because we have some people who were in your comment section, um, to come on the show to talk more about it. Why do you think that patient felt comfortable enough with you to say it? I honestly am not sure. I have worked with that patient a few times before. Um, and I guess he just, I don't know. I honestly don't know why he decided to tell me that, but I'm really grateful he did. Um, I'm glad he was comfortable enough to say that to me, but I wish I had the right words for him at that moment. Well, I think we're going to go on. 
just turn that volume down just down a little bit on your computer because I'm getting I'm hearing myself in your computer and I am pretty egotistical, but I hear myself a, a, a lot. I think uh, obviously without knowing this patient situation, you had a really good rapport. You had to. I mean, that person opened up to you with something really, really personal and was really vulnerable with you. So kudos for building that relationship. And that's that's a that's a great job. Um, you not knowing what to say, I don't think is a weakness. I, 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 what I see it as you were honest, you didn't know what to say, but then you did something about it thinking, Hey, if this comes up again with this patient, or if this comes up again in another situation, I would like to be armed with something to say. And I don't think, I think we're going to, we're going to figure out that there isn't a right thing to say. Um, there are some different things that you can do. So first of all, kudos on you. You can take a lap and say, yeah, great job on being vulnerable, being honest and being open on a place where things can devolve and that's social media. But I am glad that, you know, hashtag uh, PT Twitter and the PT fam uh, came through for you. So we're going to bring some people on people who dove into your comment section. This is like, this is your life. Shelby Miller, where your tweet comes to life. Uh, so let's bring one of our guests on right now. Let's, let's do two. We'll do two. We'll do two by two. I'll be like Noah. Uh, we're bringing on Talia Pollock and Juzi, Julie Skurzia. Julie and Talia, how are we doing? Hi. Hey, guys. For having us. Great. This is like interactive Twitter where we just bring people from your comment section on. All right, Talia, <laughs> Julie, uh, what's your superhero backstories? You know, where are you in the in the world and geography of PT, but literally and figuratively? Talia, you go first. Okay, so um I'm Talia. I'm an acute care PT, uh, cardiovascular PT person, and I work at uh, University of Virginia Health System in Charlottesville. I also work, um, at, I'll be sorry, at Central Health System here in Lynchburg. So I live in Lynchburg right now, um, but most of our clinical, most of our, our life <laughs> and my clinical practice um, in acute care and critical care was at University of Virginia Health System. All right, so Julie, that's where a lot of that comes from. Julie Skirzat, okay. what about you? Where do you treat? Where do you, where do you live? Where are you from? From Philly, live in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, teach at Murphy Deming College of Health Sciences at Mary Baldwin University and practice at VCU's hospital in the acute right. care setting. All right. So you guys saw a student reaching out and being super vulnerable about this situation. We'll start with Talia, then Julie, and we're going to bring in some more guests too. Uh, where'd your head go? You, you jumped in and you provided some, uh, some advice. First of all, why'd you chime in? Because this isn't something that gets talked about a lot. I think we realize that. I think that's why I chose to chime in. I, you know, I, I get a little self-conscious on on social media, but this this one spoke directly to me because I recall having you know some similar experiences as a young clinician and just feeling so powerless because you know we go into this profession to get in there and do a thing. You're action oriented. You want to go in. You want to solve a problem. You want to help out. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody makes that comment and you kind of just stop in your tracks and go, but wait, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't really like my area. What's the right thing to say here? And I think Jimmy, you, you said it, you know, there, there really is no, there's no right thing to say. I think oftentimes you just have to sit in it and be with them. Because clearly, Shelby, you, again, like Jimmy said, you know, in acute care, when you're seeing patients, you know, for the first time, and they're in a pretty vulnerable position, they're, they're feeling poorly, um, they've maybe just gotten some bad news, had a big surgery, whatever it is, you have to really build some trust in like 30 seconds. And it's, it, I think it either happens or it doesn't, it 
And clearly for you, this happened with you or this person would not have felt safe and saying, you know what, I, I really think I'm, I'm ready. So it, it just kind of, it just sort of pulled at my heart because I, I thought, man, you know, I've been there and that's, that's, yeah, I felt yeah. that for you. I felt that for you. Shelby, you can, it's okay to blush because I think, you know, Tali just backed me up here and I like when the guests agree with me, which is you did the right thing, which is long before that comment was made, you had a relationship. Julie, when you saw Shelby uh, send this tweet, why'd you jump in and what'd you say? Yeah, I think um, first, Shelby, I applaud you for asking the question and putting yourself out there because I always say that we do our patients a disservice by not asking questions. Um, and I think being in acute care, especially when the patients are so vulnerable, we do have these episodes that come up where, as Talia said, it's it's counterintuitive to why we went into this profession. But on the flip side, it is such an honor to help someone die with dignity. Um, so I feel like we have to look across the continuum of life, essentially, from birth all the way to the end. We can't just stop when um, the the diagnosis is terminal, if that makes sense. So we do have a role um, at the end of life as well. Yeah, I think well put. Uh, some more people from uh, Shelby's comment section. Again, I told you it was like real life Twitter here, Shelby. They're coming to life. Uh, let's bring in uh, Megan Eldridge and Sharon Gorman. Uh, ladies, welcome to the program. You guys were also kind of lurking there on uh, PT Twitter and you, you chimed in as well. Uh, Megan, when you saw Shelby's tweet, what went through your mind? Um, I actually think that it happened to me too, like that same time frame that you asked on Twitter. And I've only been working in acute care for seven months now, so I'm fairly fresh to acute care. I worked in um, outpatient for about a year and a half, so I didn't really have like a patient tell me, you know, that they were ready to die, but that actually did happen to me. And um, honestly, Shelby, I think you did the best that you could do because there is really not an answer to that. I think that when we talk about death, it's not really something that people want to talk about, even though it's unfortunately a guarantee. And so um, it's important that we have those conversations. I also think that they probably felt comfortable with you, one, because of rapport, and two, because honestly, <laughs> PTs are the ones that spend the most time with the patient. Yeah. So we get to be their best friend while they're in the hospital. <laughs> And yeah. I think that that's one like unique thing about physical therapists that we get to do. And honestly, that's why I really like acute care. So that's great. I wanted to answer your question because I understood because that happened to me too. And you being a student, it's just kind of like, whoa, especially second year. I didn't know you were a second year. That's like fresh. So, I mean, that didn't happen to me until I was almost two years out. And I still didn't know like how to answer that. But you know, you definitely want to ask. Asking Twitter was awesome. That was such a great thing to do. Um, I typically go ask like my manager who's been doing this for like 10 years. So she will know exactly what to do in that situation. But that's kind of why I came to, you know, your answering your question, because I wanted you to know, like, that is something that happens. And there's also therapists out there who, you know, have difficulty answering that question, too. Um, no matter where you are, like if you're a student or if you're 10 years out, I don't know if there's ever like yeah. a time that we can answer that. And also in school, I don't think we're taught how to talk about that. 
we're taught we're we're taught like what to do in palliative care, but not really like the psychological component. And that's a that's a big component. And when Megan said I watched uh, Sharon Gorman from APTA's Q Care section, her face all lit all up, right? So when you hear Megan say that, hey, I think in PT school we're not really taught about this. Um, you know, what did you chime in with in terms of uh, what resonated with you with Shelby's tweet? So part of the reason I chimed in is actually where I teach at Samuel Merritt. I have carved out at least a few hours to have this discussion with our students. It's oh, not yeah. enough time. And it's kind of it came from a place of students would come to me after a clinical going, oh, my God, this happened and I don't know what to do about it. And then we'd have a discussion just one on one. And I'm like, you know, we need to share this. Um, I've also done a talk um, that I do occasionally, and I did it for our state conference one year, kind of as a TED talk about how, you know, d- death and dying. It's not, it's not something we're taught, and it's something everything in society tells you to not talk about. And it's so weirdly ironic because it's the one thing every single one of us have in common. Yeah. Everybody. Not everybody gets married. Not everybody has kids. Not everybody owns pets. Not everybody, you know, lives to old age. Every single one of us is going to die. And we are so afraid as a culture to even say that out loud um, that I just I was like, here's an opportunity for me to, you know, just get in on this thing that I think is so important for people. And this goes back to when I was a student. Um, If you've ever seen an episode of Scrubs where you've seen um, somebody crying in a supply closet, that was me. Um, (laughs) In some of my clinicals, because these hard things were happening. And I, the messages you sometimes get from your coworkers, and it's not that they intend it, is that we don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to process it. And I really felt for you. And I was like, well, maybe I could say something that's helpful in that there's no right thing to say. And usually that question yeah. being thrown towards somebody is more an opening to have a conversation instead of to have an answer. It's yeah. not a question that has an answer. It's a question that sparks a conversation if you're willing to have the conversation. I, I think that's where I started too because I think I was one of the first people to see your tweet and I literally retweeted it because I was like, ooh, someone else. That's, that's the retweet, right? It's like, ooh, I would like to see what other people have to say about this because I would like to know the answer and I do not have it. Um, another thing is I think that so many people chimed in, a lot of these ladies on the screen included with some other people, which is there is no right answer. I think you all said some form of that, which is I've experienced this. There is no right answer. Um, as somebody who's a physical therapist, but who in a former life and most of my brain still isn't the radio guy, you did the right thing. I will say this because you listened, you made space, right? Sometimes as an interviewer, what I'll do is I'll raise my voice at the end of a sentence when I want to leave room and let the other person know it's time for you are not only is there time for you, but I am giving you literal and figurative space here to communicate because sometimes people are just looking for an opportunity to do that. And if someone were to talk too much or to give them exactly what they should do, it's actually not what they're looking to do. They're actually looking to talk. They're not looking to have a problem solved. The problem is they want to talk. You are solving it by doing exactly what you did, which is listen. Sometimes the problem is they have no one else they feel like they can talk to. Um, Sometimes families are so invested in following treatment regimens and and nobody's had this discussion about what personal preferences might be and everyone just assumes things. And so a lot of the time I find this is why patients will say this to me or to other therapists is you're kind of this neutral person that I can have thoughts with and you're not going to judge me and you're not involved in the decision making and maybe you're just an echo chamber that I can finally say these things out loud that I'm too afraid to say to my family or my friends or my loved ones. 
and you know some stuff, right? They're looking at you, yeah. you know, even as, and again, for the podcast audience, I'm using their quotes, even as just a student, they're looking at you like, you know what? I kind of hung out with her once or twice or, you know, she worked with me. She kind of seems like she knows some stuff and that's credit, right? I mean, you know, be, I, I think, well, you know, kudos on that is somebody was comfortable enough to say that to you. Wow. Holy cow. Um, Talia, what do you think that uh, other advice would be, right? Giving room to listen, being there, maintaining uh, maintaining that rapport. What else can you arm people with? Because this is, again, something we typically run away from. Well, I think it's be prepared for it to happen, you know, again and, and a bit more. I think one of the maybe the comment I made, I don't I, I I don't I think I remember this is the comment, you know, when people are ill, whether it's a, a terminal diagnosis, whether it's chronic illness, whether it's after a really big surgery, it just just being in the hospital in general, when they get up and they start to move the first time, there's a lot of reality that happens there. The re I've heard about the reality of my illness from my physician, from my advanced practice person, from my nurse, and all of, there's this flurry of communication around me. So I have it kind of in my head but I haven't felt it in my person yet. You know, I've, I'm going to get up and do, and it's going to feel so different than it did. You know, even if I'm better, even if, you know, even if the thing that was there that shouldn't be there is not there anymore, that my brain tumor is out, my blockage in my heart is now open. My body has gone through this kind of a trauma. So you have, you have physical trauma, you have emotional trauma, and it all I have found, and there's no paper that says this. I'm not really like a paper person. I, um, in my experience, <laughs> I'm so glad Sharon left. Um, <laughs> in my experience, though, that's when the reality happens. And often kind of we're there witnessing that. And a lot of emotion, a lot of things can be felt. Sometimes it's kind of comes all out and sometimes it's super reserved and sometimes it's kind of anywhere in between. And I'll never forget a woman. She had gotten her LVAD and then she got a heart transplant. She was so scared to get up and use her legs just to stand and get to the chair because let me tell you, sister, she was wired for sound. If we stood up and made it to the chair, it was going to be victorious. And she totally froze. She panicked. And I'd known this lady for two years. You know, we went way back to that first bed. She was like bad number three. She got this heart and she said, I can't do it. And she was standing up. She was, she was like, totally fine. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, Sandy, nobody operated on your legs. Just move them. And she looked up and she started laughing and she shimmied her hips and she popped right down <laughs> that chair. And all I was doing was holding the stuff. Like she did her thing. And sometimes it's just the reality of the thing setting in. Yeah. Again, whether it's terminal, terminal or not, we're kind of there to bear witness to that. And it's really important, um, I think, to just sort of sit with somebody. You don't have to always say anything. You yeah. can just touch their hand and just be. Mm -hmm. You can just be. And sometimes that is the hardest, most vulnerable thing to do is just yeah. be. Sounds like Talia, in that in that example, you uh, you really used that relationship you had built and gave you know gave permission where permission didn't need to be, but you, maybe yeah. it, it felt like she did. Like, hey, I trust her, and if she says, hey, move those legs, we didn't operate on those, and then she did. So she was looking for permission. Uh, it's, yeah. it's difficult not to bring um, this word, which is COVID and COVID nineteen, the situation in the conversation. Uh, Julie, 
uh, let's bring you in here. How's COVID impacted these types of situations involving death? Uh, we're in a situation where lots of more people are in situations like this, where they don't know what's yeah. going to happen next. Um, I think talking about death is typically geared towards like the acute care ICU physical therapist. And I think COVID has really been the equalizer in the fact that patients are now getting out of the hospital. So the post-acute care therapist is responsible for the care and building this patient back up. And considering what the patient has been through, um, not just physically, but also mentally, and the fact that they've been in isolation, um, they, like they haven't had any family members, they're coming to you post-acute care wearing a mask. Um, there's not a lot of research out there about like long-term effects of this patient population. So I feel like it's, it's really put the entire therapy community on a level playing field. And like, we all need to come together to acknowledge what the patient has been through to give validation to their feelings and then lean into that uncomfortable conversation um, because they they very well could have been knocking on death's door and we need to validate what they were saying. Yeah. Uh, resources. Let's talk about that. We'll go, we'll go to Megan. Megan, you mentioned, Hey, listen, this happens to me. I go to my mentor who's done it, who's done it for 10 plus years. What else would you suggest? Places that people can go, things that you've read, things that you've interacted with that made you feel a little better equipped to deal with this situation. Anything come to mind? Yeah. So right now, I when I did go ask about like what resources there are um, in the hospital, at least, I did ask about like, was there a psychologist or someone that could possibly talk to the patient? Um, especially if they're having these thoughts. And unfortunately in our hospital, that's not available. Um, but typically it gets into more of like the resources when a patient might be suicidal or having like suicidal ideation. That's when things get really very, very serious. And that's when you will get like the psychologist, you will get the psychiatric care in that sense with the resources. Um, as far as like patients that are just, maybe terminally ill or, um, you know, to have had chronic issues, maybe depressed, that resource, I'm not sure, honestly. And so that's why I'm here. And <laughs> to ask about resources that you guys yeah. might know that I don't know personally to go to, um, because I do read, you know, like on APTA, I try to see like what resources there are out there. But as far as like transferring that to the hospital, which would be the benefit I'm not sure where those resources um, are at the moment, but I would love to hear them if you guys know. Well, Sharon, Megan opened the door in terms of uh, APTA, and I saw you nodding there when she brought that up. What, what, what resources have you talked about in terms of how you deal with this? Bringing the taboo. I did want to bring that that word right. into it, which in the society that I grew up in, at least in my household, we talked about death, but it was kind of whispered, right? I mean, that, I mean, some societies around the world, I think, do a lot better job at talking about this part of life, this end part of life. So what resources in terms of dealing with this or maybe taboo taboos around death? Have you? So I have like a really, it, I know this sounds weird, a really fun website, but some <laughs> of being comfortable talking about this with patients is you just have to be comfortable talking about it. And if you don't have a cultural background where 
that's what you did, you need to find ways to just be able to say these words without like getting all choked up or feeling all awkward. Um, and a, re a weirdly really fun one is this website called deathoverdinner.org. Why not? And you can kind of pick what the scenario is. Like, are these people you know really well? Are these people you hardly know? Is it a big group? Is it a tiny group? And it kind of just gives you conversation starters that you can use to get people talking about some of these issues. And that can just kind of break the taboo thing. Because if you haven't said words like death and dying, it that alone can be the stoppers. Like, I don't even know how to open my mouth about this. So that can be kind of an interesting way. You can play around with it and just look at what the questions are on your own. Mm -hmm. um, for breaking conversation with patients, or you get approached this way instead of having an answer for this guy, Atul Gawande has these great five questions that are in his book. And it kind of gets at what's your understanding of where you are and how sick you are. What are your worries or your fears? What are your goals and priorities? What kind of outcomes do you not want to have happen? Like, where's your point of, I don't want to experience this. And what might you be willing to maybe give up? Like maybe I could give this up, but this is my stopping point. I don't ever want this to happen. And then kind of my favorite question is the last question. I ask this all the time to my patients. What would a good day look like for you? Because yeah. for PTs, 90% of their answer is going to be they want to go do something. They want to spend time with someone. They want to be comfortable. They're going to give you an answer that you can turn into a treatment plan and a goal. Yeah. And yeah. so like, awesome. I love those questions because then you start to have that conversation, which is usually what they're looking for when they ask questions like that is to have the conversation. And then this gives you questions where they can tell you what they want and what's important to them. Yeah. Sharon is actually available to rent to come to your dinner party. To yeah. <laughs> Uh, on her Twitter feed. Um, we mentioned a lot of things uh, having to do with patients, right? We put our focus on our patients. Um, I think the current pandemic that we're currently still in um, has shown a light on taking care of the caregivers. This is going to affect you, Shelby, it affected you enough that you stood up or sat down. I don't know where you were tweeting from, but you were using the phone and you sent that message. So let's go around to our panelists, too, who've been dealing with this. And Megan, I know you said you've only been in acute care for seven months. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You've got experience. You want to hear it. Um, in terms of making sure that the therapists don't get burned out from this, take care of those caregivers so you can be there. Talia, where does your head go when if you heard a, a coworker or a student that you were working with was dealing with something like this? That's a great question. Um, everybody... Uh, Burned out is a is a great way to describe it. I think tired and fatigued is another thing that we're seeing a lot, um, not just in our department, the nurses, the housekeeping staff, our physicians. I mean, it's just like it just keeps going. And when is it going to end? And I think and this came up kind of over the weekend, too, in another webinar, you know, when people are sort of talking to you about your productivity and you're getting that shoved at you. And you're just so tired because you're just, you know, you're tired of breathing into a mask. You're, you're tired of watching people decompensate. You're tired of seeing all of the death and dying and the news and all the things. It's just kind of everybody, I think to a degree has shut down. But I also have to say that it is, I have seen some amazing uh, acts of resilience. Um, when people are able to come together, you know, 
figuratively speaking, as a staff, as a group, and really talk about, okay, what is it today? What is it today that we can that we can accomplish? What can we actually control out of this day? And typically it's what can I do when I go in that room? When I go in that room, that's what I can do. That is my contribution. That can be my healing, um, not just for that patient, but for my for myself. Um, and I think it's really getting back to the basics and remembering in a time that it's so hard to remember why we are here. Because we have people saying, well, we're gonna furlough you for, for a while. You don't need to be here, but oh wait, when you come back, here's your productivity and you have to meet it. Yeah. It's, it's this constant battle of, it, it's just a constant battle, but I think getting back to the basics and getting back to the foundation will probably set you free. That, yeah. for my, personally, that's what I have experienced. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you you brought up a few things there that I, I would I want to make sure the audience didn't miss, which is focus on what you can do, right? Focus on something that you can control. And the other was it's it's not just one or the other. Like you're gonna have really some really crappy days, and then you're gonna be fine. It doesn't mean that nothing's it's everything's better. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to go up and down in the well, this sucks department. Um, realizing that like, Hey, some days I'm going to be super crappy. It doesn't mean I'm bad, right? This is not a guilt or a shame thing. This is, it's, it's a bad situation. Acknowledge that. And I like how you followed it with focus on what you can do. What can you control? Well, I've got three more patients to see today and I'm going to give hundred percent of what I got left to those people because they need me. And that's what I'm here for. Uh, Julie, advice for focusing on uh, the clinician, right? Taking care of the caregiver. We're going to go around this because I think this is an important one that I wanted to leave with the audience. I think just as we expect our patients to be vulnerable, we have to be vulnerable too. Like we have to have comfort in saying we are at our breaking point for lack of a better word. Um, and just echoing what you said, like this is not us being a bad clinician or a bad person and not being able to handle the weight. This is just the circumstances and being comfortable asking for help because I think as PTs, we're very, um, we can handle this, we got this, but I mean, we're, we're only human. Yeah. And so um, acknowledging that human aspect of what is going on and how we care for our patients and um, being cognizant of those around us, because I think it's very easy to say like, oh, so-and-so is in a bad mood today, or you know, just tapping into that emotional intelligence of what other people are feeling and going through around you um, as well. Megan, what do you think in terms of uh, taking care of the caregiver? What, what advice would you give to someone else, a coworker, a student, um, for being in this situation for we don't know how long? Yeah, and and you, we're talking about like just COVID as COVID or, or situations or being around people who where where I guess we're really highlighting a situation where the situation is wearing on the caregiver, yeah. right? We're the one who's usually providing the, the relief, but sometimes um, it, it wears on us. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, as a coworker or someone to come to me and talking about, like, this is a hard time. I, I think that this is so, like, unknown and this is so different um, that it's just hard to know what to say and what to do. Burnout is real, and it does happen to all of us in healthcare. Um, and I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it did, especially for physical therapists, it felt like we were disposable because there was a lot of like furlough. I got furloughed, by the way, 
So, you know, you feel like I, you know, I did this to help people, but we're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm being just kind of tossed because of what, you know? And so that's hard mentally to go yeah. through. Yeah. And it's hard to also help someone else when you're going through that too. Right. But I think that talking about it is important because we, you know, as human beings, we want to be tough. And like you were saying, as physical therapists, we want to be tough. We want to act like we can do everything yeah. because we're superhuman. <laughs> but like, but at the end of the day, we are human. So you need to talk about these things with people. You need to talk about these things with the right people. If things get to a certain point, you need to go to the correct people to get the help that you need. If that yeah. is from a counselor, if that is from a psychologist, a patch, whatever you need to do to help yourself, you need to do that. Make sure you're having good, you know, coping mechanisms um, and that you're doing the best that you can. Like yeah. you can't do everything, even though you want to, you just can't. That and your, so put your mask on first kind of mentality, right? Yeah. <laughs> put your mask first and do what you can do. And, yeah. and that's, that's how I've kind of gone through this time because it's just unprecedented and we don't, and unfortunately COVID is so unpredictable, especially with our patients. If you're treating COVID patients, one day they're fine and one day they're not. Yeah. And that is hard to watch too. So as a human, as Megan yeah. out right there, the human element, uh, in yeah. it. uh, Sharon, in terms of, uh, making sure you're okay, your coworkers are okay so that you can provide great care. Um, I'm going to follow up on what Megan said, know your people. Yeah. Like, you know, know your people, know your resources. Maybe that's counseling. Maybe that's having someone professional to talk to. But maybe it's just who have you curated on social media? Like, I'm sorry. I have. I was starting to get so upset seeing pictures of people in groups without masks that it was that was burning. Mm. Like, uh, so you know what? Mute. Unfriend. 30 day snooze. I, I don't have I don't have room right now in my life to get mad at people that I thought would understand how hard some of us are working yeah. and what sacrifice many of us are going through. And I, honestly, I just, I don't have time for it. Yeah. And I have felt so much better and it was yeah. really hard the first few times. And now I'm just like, Nope, sleep for 30 days, gonna mute you. Like you are in charge of what you need to take in and you don't have to stand there and get yelled at by the universe when you're already on the edge. You don't deserve that. So, you know, don't do it. Don't let it happen. Everyone's like, oh, well, what about? I'm like, you're in control. Like, it's your phone and it's your friends list and it's your Twitter feed. Yes. Like, one, one be the brave person and, you know, figure out what you need to do for you. Yeah. Um, it's not selfish, it's self preservation. Yeah. I like that, I like that moment. Drop moment. Yeah. Uh, I don't owe you the, uh, I don't owe you the argument you came here to have was a phrase that I forget who I learned it from a year ago or so, but I throw that out a lot in, in real life or on social media. Uh, and it saves you uh, a lot. Um, I would throw something in here for the situation, Shelby, from a, 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 you know, from a complete interview perspective, if you didn't know what to say, sometimes just stating a fact and being quiet. So it's the question without ever asking a question. Um, and then leaving room, as we mentioned before, which is like, it's a real hard time. What you just did was you laid something down on the table and then you kind of backed away and you were like, you pointed at it, right? We're going through, there's a lot going on. That's not a question, but it actually invites a response, which is actually what you, you're not looking for an answer. You're trying to continue a conversation. And when you don't know what to say, 
This is how I continue most conversations. I will literally just state a fact, right? This is a really, really difficult situation, right? Right. And then just let them, let them fill in the blanks. Um, anything we didn't cover that you guys would want to get into? Anything we didn't throw out there? I mean, this is a, this is an important topic. Sharon, go. I've got a really quick one because we did mention that sometimes these places can come from depression in our patients or suicidal ideation. So just make sure you know there's lots of different easy ways that consist of two questions to screen for depression. And you don't have to diagnose it. You don't have to treat it. That's not your job as a PT. Your job as a PT is to recognize it and refer somebody. You know, so figure out what two question survey you want to use, whether it's the patient patient health questionnaire to whatever. There's about three or four really validated two question screens. And that's all you need to do is ask them those questions and screen for it and then make a referral if it's appropriate. You don't have to get dragged into trying to have a counseling session with your patients. That's not your job. Recognize you work in a team and yeah. that's not your area of expertise, which is OK. But if you see it or you think you see it or you recognize it, you know, you can always start with maybe those questions if you don't know anything else to ask. And like, I'm, okay, is this really serious or is this, it's a very emotional time and things are really rough and you've been through a bad patch of health issues. Leverage that relationship that we were just talking about. And if you can ask a couple questions that are validated, right, to make sure to, mm -hmm. to screen for that, man, that is a powerful situation. The questions are only good if you have the relationship. And the relationship, okay. you can only leverage it if you have the, the right questions to ask. Um, mm -hmm. I like this a lot. I thought it was a good conversation. Um, it shed some light for, for me. Uh, you guys ready to do three questions? You ready for that? Doesn't matter. We're doing three questions. <laughs> All right, three questions brought to you by our friends at uh, Fusion Medical Staffing. As a travel PT or travel physical therapist assistant, you get to decide where, when, and how you do what you do best, which is provide quality care to your patients, like we're talking about. Uh, with a traveler first mentality means you get full control of your healthcare career so you can create the travel lifestyle you love and, frankly, deserve. And with detailed job transparency, you always want to have the good transparency, you can seriously choose your own adventure. It's your career. Take a hold of it. Uh, start your adventure now at FusionMedStaff.com. That website is FusionMedStaff.com. All right, so three questions. First question is a where question. Since we got so many guests, we'll go around the horn quickly. And with one or two word responses, we're going to go Shelby Talia and around the horn. Uh, where, once it's safe to travel, would you like to go in the 50 U.S. states? Shelby, where are you going to go first? I have always wanted to go to Seattle, so that's where I want to go. They throw fish around. I'm just saying yeah. up on that. They got great. Talia, where are you going first once it's safe? Upstate New York to visit my best friend from college. Why not? Everybody loves upstate. Yeah. It's the spot. There we go. Drop by for <laughs> you. Where I live. Uh, Julie, where are we headed? I would go back to Philly to see my family. There you go. Focus on family. Megan, yeah. you're in Georgia now, but where are we headed? San Diego, California. Yeah, San Diego. And Sharon, where are you going? I would like to leave the country, but since you're forcing me to stay in the United States, I think I want to go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. I've been there in a while. It's pretty gorgeous there. It's a great time. It's a PT school just across the river there. It's great. Second question, same order. Uh, it's a what question. What's something you've read, listened to, or watched? Book, movie, podcast, 
that you just think the audience would get value from. It does not have to be PT related, but it can be. What do you got? Um, the book I'm reading right now is called Why We Sleep by uh, Matthew Miller, and it's a really good book. Um, and I think it's really insightful for physical therapists because it's something that we often overlook is sleep quality. And so you get a really good idea yeah. uh, of the benefits behind it. Yeah. Spoiler alert, why we sleep. I get sleepy sometimes. I get tired. <laughs> Tally, what do you got for your what? I have so enjoyed for a mental break, Smartless podcast with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. How do you not love it, all those guys? I mean, and all together, it during my little commute, it just makes my heart so happy. Have you seen the Mumford and Sons video? Oh, yes. Uh, no, what, go to YouTube. Just go to YouTube. Don't listen okay. to this podcast anymore. And just look up Hopeless Wanderer, Mumford and Sons video. And, and then... <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Julie. I like that song. It's I like great, that song. The mu music video, just watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, Julie, what do you got for us? What's your what? Um, I will say When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kanemethy. Um, That being a cardio poem person, I just love hearing his story and the patient perspective. Yeah, that's come up a lot uh, on the show for the for the book. Megan, what do you got? Um, so have y'all heard of the call map? The call yes. map. No. Yeah. So it's like an app that helps you kind of meditate yes. and sleep. And if you have an American Express, which I think that's over now, but I think it was December 31st, 2020. If you had an American Express, it's free for a year and it's like expensive. So I have that <laughs> and, and I use it and they have a great, how do you sleep by Sam Smith? Like meditation thing. <laughs> It puts me right to sleep. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's awesome. That's all I got to say. Uh, Sharon, what do you got for us? I watched this program on Hulu this weekend called In and of Itself. It was okay. an off-Broadway kind of one-man show. I refuse to try and explain it or pigeonhole it. It was amazing and blew my mind and all the emotions and fun and funny and touching Hulu in and of itself. Can't say enough. You can thank me later. All right. <laughs> thank you. In uh, last question on three questions, the who question, right? We begin and end with people. Who is someone the audience should know more about? On purpose, I leave it open and ambiguous. What do you got? All right. I got to do a shout out to Clarkson University. Uh, Leslie Russick is one of our um, instructors, and she has done some amazing things um, in research on chronic pain and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, she is the smartest person I have ever known and will probably ever know. And I think everyone should be friends with her. She's perfect. She's awesome. I love her. And you just got 10 extra points in your next quiz. I'm so smart. Talia, who should we Dr. Gary Gellert is a phenomenal PT that I work with here in Lynchburg, Virginia. He has basically made over uh, the ICU practice there. We we share a brain a little bit. He's a his his half's a lot smarter than my half or bigger than my half. But um, he is he has been in the COVID unit since the beginning, and he's created an entire practice, uh, you know, just just for this this area, which is pretty COVID heavy right now. So. He's an amazing person. He should be on PT Pinecast. He should be everywhere. I know a guy. I know a guy. I'll get him on. This there is why go. I love this question is because when people gush about people they like, I just sit here and just like, this is great. And yeah, it makes for great future guests. Uh, Julie, who should, who should we know about? 
Okay, so as a Flyers fan, I should not recommend him because he's a Penguins fan, but okay. I'm going to say um, Dr. Sean Greek. Okay. So um, he's based in Allentown and he's a, an academician that just got his PhD and currently um, very involved in social determinants of health and health literacy and population health. And I just think I've learned so much from him. Um, and especially nowadays, like this is such an opportune time to really expand um, physical therapy and how we deliver services. So Sean Greek. I like how you reach across the uh, the hockey aisle. You re reach oh, the red line. Even across the state. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Megan, who's your who? So my who is Dr. Amber Lowe. She is actually my former manager in my outpatient clinic. She's now just started her new cash-based uh, PT, and she helps runners in Houston um, help with them not having pain with running. She's OCS. She's fellow trained. Like, she knows. She's one of the smartest people that I know, and I know she can be very, very helpful to people in the Houston area. So if you're looking for a physical therapist in the Houston area, she's your girl. You got it. All right, Sharon, no pressure, but you're closing here. Who's your <laughs> I'm going to go with another social determinant of health PT hero with Dr. Todd Davenport yes. from the University of Pacific out here, West Coast, West Coast, best coast. <laughs> I'll get that in. Um, great follow on Twitter. You'll get everything and yeah. the kitchen sink. Yeah. Yep. I just, learned, I just learned from him that he ran his entire last uh, season of track with a broken fibula. I don't yeah, know why, but I just wanted to throw that. Oh, God. <laughs> it hurts, apparently. Uh, he's one of the most gracious people, by the way. <laughs> I have to say, he's so gracious and kind. So. I like it. Those are the kind I don't of think people. I know him, but I think I follow him on Twitter. Well, now you mm -hmm. do. And this, <laughs> this episode is not a culmination of, and now you know these people from Twitter. Yeah. Nothing will be. Uh, that's three questions from our friends at Fusion Medical Staffing. Check them online again. FusionMedStaff.com. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. We want to hit that of. They are the Academy of. They're it. Orthopedics. Uh, if you're looking to use maybe some downtime, maybe you can't travel or something like that for some odd reason, uh, and you're thinking about taking the OCS exam, uh, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy, that can get you there. That can be your guide. All right. So you start out and you're like, I don't know. I feel like I want to take this on, but I'm not sure how this works. Listen, they're reading lists alone. You're going to want to dive in. So uh, uh, current concepts of orthopedic PT is the guy to take you there. You follow the steps. You focus on this. It's made from the leaders in orthopedic PT all the way to that OCS and beyond. Really, the point isn't just to get the OCS. It's to help your patients. And this will do it because they are the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. Again, that is orthopt.org. Parting shot. Shelby, you're going to go last. This is your final exam. It's going to be kind of like, what did you learn? So, Talia, last thing uh, we you want to leave with the audience, your parting shot, kind of your mic drop moment. We'll go around, and Shelby, you're going last. No pressure. Talia, you're up. What do you got for us? This is a Brene Brown because I love her. Uh, given our conversation and the current state of things, um, sometimes the bravest and most important thing you can do is just show up. Yeah, Heavy. Yeah. That just is awesome. Up. Well done. All right, Julie, your parting shot, what do you got for us today? 
Um, so for you, today is ordinary, but for your patient and their family, it's extraordinary. So be patient. Man, you guys came out slinging. You guys were ready. Yeah. Megan, parting shot, what do you got for us? <laughs> I don't have anything as like elegant as you guys. I would just like to say I appreciate you guys for letting me be here. This was a great conversation. Um, and just remember to always listen to your patients and just mm-hmm. remember your human. Listen to your patients. That that's it right there. Yeah. Right. That's the first thing. That's the last thing we should be doing. Sharon, uh, you've done this before. What's your parting shot for us today? One of my favorite little quotes that someday when I can get a tattoo, I'm going to get tattooed on me finally, <laughs> is speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. Ooh, Ooh. All right, Shelby, this began with a tweet, right? And then you got you got information, you got knowledge, you got support. PT Twitter came to your aid. And then we had this conversation, and now everybody gets to learn from not only the tweet, but the podcast. Uh, your parting shot, what do you got for us today? I just want to thank everyone for uh, for responding to my tweet and for showing up tonight. Um, what I learned is that basically what it supports my ideals of that just because we're physical therapists doesn't mean we just treat the physical. We also treat the emotional. How'd she do? What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Well done. I like that a lot. Uh, guys, thanks for being um, you know, brave enough and bold enough to ask the question and then kind enough and paying attention enough to, to answer you guys amongst uh, many on hashtag PT Twitter. Join in. It's not all just people pointing fingers. Sometimes some really great, amazing things happen. So thank you guys for doing that. We learned a lot. This was awesome. Cheers. 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 Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management, Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. 
This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.